The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that there is an armadillo that is a member of the Supreme Court and an armadillo that is a member of the Supremes, and it's the same person? (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. For more armadillo-related facts and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillopodcastingclub. Hey there. Do you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show or anything else you'd like us to discuss? Well, fire away. Send us a message at hello at thedragonreread.com or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter or write it on a piece of paper and fold that up into a paper airplane and throw it at us. <laughs> and uh, if we can, we'll talk about it on the show. Again, that's hello at thedragonreread.com. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're going to cover the prologue through chapter two of The Path of Daggers, book eight of The Wheel of Time. Uh, you may be noticing the audio quality is different, better maybe. Uh, that's because this is our first podcast that we were recording remotely. So uh, if you guys have any comments or feedback about that, please drop us a line. In addition to maybe some tips, anything because we have no idea what we're doing here. We're just kind right. of we're kind of winging it here. Yeah, instruction manual. That... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Previously, uh, so kind of like last time, I want to start with a rundown of some key characters, and then we can move into the big stuff because, I mean, a lot happened. Uh, first of all, we've got Elida. She still thinks she's running the White Tower, and it's kind of a shit show that just keeps getting shittier. But the thing is, it's actually a forsaken running things with with her hand kind of shoved up the butt of Aviara in like a sock puppet. I don't know. Despite running through a murder wizard meat grinder, the Shido Ail, headed by Savannah, are still not down for the count. But then Samael scatters them all over the country just to piss Rand off, which is, I guess, not great for the Shido. Shortly after, Pedro Nial is murdered in a white cloak coup, Morghese, still their captive, renounces her throne, freeing the seat for Elaine. Uh, then the Shanshan attack, which I guess throws everything up into the air. Uh, again, because <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we thought we were done with them, but but no. Yeah, uh, the, the White... Shan or how Robert Jordan just finishes up with an area. I know he's I'm like done you know with the city. <laughs> this plotline's irritating Shan Shan. <laughs> uh, the White Cloaks fare about as poorly as everyone else has up until this point, but uh, Ex Nial's ex spy master helps Morgaze and her crew escape <laughs> the falling city. So, I mean, they're in the wind. They're doing great. Hopefully, uh, Egwene learns that corralling a town full of Aes Sedai is worse than herding cats. It takes the combined efforts of Egwene, Swan, and most of Nynaeve's detective agency to get them off their asses and marching on Tarvalon. Uh, but not before Magedian escapes, which is, you know, not great news for anyone, I guess. Uh, speaking of NDA, they are off to Ebudar in search of a magic weather bowl with a greatly expanded roster. We've got Nynaeve, Elaine, Avienda, Tom, Julian, Matt, Lan, and then... Just a bunch of nameless Aes Sedai red shirts. So, uh, yeah, I guess NDA is getting pretty big over there. Um, <laughs> there they join forces with another small army of Aes Sedai cast-offs and some sea folk channelers. And they uh, they fought some squishy magic assassin called the Golem, who really wrecks the heck out of him until Matt hits him with his magic necklace. Um, then the Shanshan attack again. <laughs> and that kills Matt, <laughs> I guess. I think Matt's dead, I'm pretty sure. Didn't they drop a building on him or something? Yeah, no way he could survive that. You'd have to have crazy luck. <laughs> Ridiculous luck. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Rand spends most of the book putting out fires and quashing rebellions like only a dragon can. Uh, somehow he still finds time to ride the bone train with his friend Min, though. And he's still not entirely sure she's just banging him as part of some elaborate joke. Because let's let's be honest, Min's quite a joker, you know? Um, <laughs> we get a brief cameo from Padden Fane because, you know, we want to check in with our old friend. He pops up just long enough to bring down some nightmare monster fog and poke Rand with his evil knife. Uh, then he just disappears again. So, I don't know. That's that's Pat and Fane. Uh, but after that, Rand wakes up and decides it's time to trigger his secret plan. And to be clear, this is the secret plan that he's been alluding to since, I think, like, book six. Which is apparently just Rand teleporting an army into Ilion and killing Samael. So, I mean, Rand is a one-trick pony. But to be fair, he's really good at that one trick. Yeah, it's a good trick. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be working so far. Why would you change, right? Why'd you stop? Uh, but Samael takes off for Shadar Logoth, and then Rand follows him there, uh, where he's saved by some nameless channeling guy who's definitely not a Forsaken, but probably definitely a Forsaken. Um, and in the, ser- the series thus far, most disappointing climax so far, Samael kind of disappears off screen when Rand isn't looking, and we assume that Mashadar probably got him? I don't know. Maybe? Surely, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so to sum it all up, uh, NDA has got the magic skyplate or whatever. Egwene is marching on the White Tower with an army and a bunch of pissed off Aes Sedai. Rand has had himself crowned King of Ilion, but his crown is made of swords because the book is called the Crown of Swords. You know, has to be like that. <laughs> yeah. and, and literally, like, they put on the laurel crown of Ilion on his head and he's like, oh, hey, there's some swords in there. <laughs> and, like, everybody in the room looks at the camera. <laughs> crown of swords. <laughs> get it? Get it? <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, it's kind of metal, I guess, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, also, just some you know random other people who we haven't heard much from. Perrin is often Gildan, I think, trying to chill out with that prophet. Uh, Loyal is working on dealing with the ways, however he's going to do that. And Bella, I'm pretty sure, is still rolling along with Egwene and company doing happy horse things. I kind of want to see like a spinoff book that's just Bella hanging out, eating hay in exotic locations. Because I think that's what she's doing. <laughs> right. And that's it. That's the whole uh, whole book. So, The Path of Daggers, book eight. So, we are now going to judge this book the best way there is to judge a book, which is by its cover. Um, this is uh, actually a pretty good cover. Yeah, I was thinking that. It's definitely a step up from some of what we've seen in more recent books. I have to say that Rand's made some bold fashion choices here, like wearing <laughs> my grandmother's couch. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm just saying, he'd better be careful because she's going to be pissed off if he spills anything on it, you know? He breaks chains, including the chains holding your grandmother's upholstery to the frame. (laughs) It looks like he's got some thigh-high boots going on there, too. That is pretty sexy, isn't it? Well, Mm -hmm. those are riding boots, right? That's that's normal, right? Is it? To go, like, all the way up your thighs like that? Look, there's a kind of riding you do in those boots, and it's not horse riding, I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was very disappointed that there are no sneaky Trollocs creeping up on them. I this know, is like not the first time, right? Yeah, I, I always like to see the sneaky Trollocs. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like there haven't really been any Trollocs in the last book or two, right? Uh, no. I feel like they, you know they keep throwing Trollocs in. There were Trollocs in um, there were Trollocs in uh, Shadar Logoth when Rand went there, didn't, weren't there? Oh, that's right. There were a bunch of them just running around, like like comic relief, getting killed <laughs> by Mashadar. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. they they were just there to die, really. Yeah, actually, I think there was one that ran over, was trying to run away, but then slipped on his own hooves because they're bad on on paved roads and fell down. <laughs> there was, was some very like, funny. Yeah, some Benny Hill music playing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking of grandma's couches, though, I like the big old gold tassel that's hanging off of the horse's forehead. Yeah, it's, yeah. His, it's his little, it's his horse style. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's uh, like when he wants to get the horse's attention, he rings that and it rings a bell. It's <laughs> 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 like, ding. <laughs> okay, so prologue. Deceptive oh, appearance. Oh, Sorry, one last thing. Before it actually goes into the prologue, we've got some um, some sweet quotes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Jordan likes to include those little like bits of fake history or whatever. <clears throat> Who would sup with the mighty must climb the path of daggers, which is apparently uh, from Archer Hawkwing. And then on the heights, all paths are paved with daggers, which is an old Sean Chan saying. I thought that you were talking about the quote at the very, very beginning under praise for the wheel of time, because one of them is like throwing some shade. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. A quote. Unlike some of the authors of mega sagas, Jordan chooses his words with care. (laughs) I know. Publishers Weekly is throwing some shade. Yeah. Who are they talking about there? Who are they dumping on? I wonder. Yeah. At that time period, like maybe Terry Goodkind or somebody. Oh, or yeah. um, the Shana- that's uh, a Terry- Shinar guy, right? No, I think Terry. If I'm correct, then Terry Goodkind is the Sword of Truth guy, and Terry Brooks oh. is the Shinara guy. Oh, and Terry Pratchett is the um, is the Wing World Discworld guy. Discworld guy, yeah. It's a lot of Terrys. Why do Terrys yeah. write so much fantasy? I don't know. It's weird, right? Yeah. And Terry Gilliam, the director, right? He directed a lot of fantasy movies. Weird. Terry's love fantasy. That's what we. That's yeah. what we know. So prologue, deceptive appearances, icon of the wheel of time. So we get a little uh, sampler platter of what all's going on in uh, this land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we see that the rulers of the borderlands get together and have a meeting, uh, and they they're they're making a pact to do something. And this is a lot of new characters. I'm I'm hoping that they all die before the end of you know the first couple of chapters, so I don't have to keep track of them because <laughs> at this point this is getting intense, you know. I started like I went back and I started counting the number of names that showed up and I stopped at 36 <laughs> and like almost all of them were names that we had never heard before. I was like, He's, come on, guys. Well, I know, right? All, all these people are new, right? Yeah. Well, well almost except, all. Except, yeah, not uh, we've met Agalmar. Right. Before. And uh, we've heard people talk about um, Tenobia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's someone That's... we've heard about uh, a bit, and apparently she's very dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> I really like this little vignette. I liked all these characters. I liked how I've, I've forgotten their name, but the the point of view character is you know giving her rundown of what's valuable about uh, what, what what the qualities are of all the people that she's meeting. Like these are the Shinarans, and these are the the Kandori, and these are the Saldeans. Totally. Yeah, and I definitely want to let people know as a resource, there some one of our listeners turned us on to it. There's an app called the Watt Compendium, and you can search for characters' names and you can look at them by book too. So that way there aren't any spoilers. Oh, cool. I like yeah, that. so you can see what a character is up to up through the path of daggers or whatever. So that was extremely helpful. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good. Because if you if you go to the wikis then you end up with a lot of stuff that you may not want to see if you haven't caught up in the books. Yeah. There, so what there, compendium? There's this funny line in here uh, pretty early on where Ethaniel is kind of thinking about what's going on. And she says, too many rulers to the South have died or vanished in the last year for her to feel any comfort in wearing a crown. It's like, if you think about it, right? Like 
how many of the kings like like in the last book the king of Ilian disappeared right like presumably eaten by a forsaken or something mm-hmm. and pretty much every book there's been at least two or three kings that have just like disappeared or you know Mm-mm. yeah and so they've all gotten together these four rulers of the borderlands and their their sidekicks and i just i love these descriptions right this is one of the things robert jordan is so good at is mm-hmm. you know who who these people are like i like the guy who's you know he's a lean and hard and badass king and his Right-hand guy is this fat slob who looks like he just woke up after a drunken feast, but appearances can be deceiving. There's a reason that that guy is the the hand of the king or whatever. Yeah. And now that and we have heard so much about Tenobia that when she finally shows up, she actually kind of delivers. <laughs> she totally does. She like charges in on her horse, rears up in the air, and is like, "Hello," you know. It's, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. <laughs> right. And they're all like kind of rolling their eyes or doing whatever the stoic borderlander version of rolling their eyes are. <laughs> That's right. And she sets up the the main the the point of view lady the the Kandori queen with her uncle. Yeah, this this is funny because they talk about Tenobia's ideal husband. Um, she's like, I'm looking for a guy that can slay a dozen Miradral and write poetry. And all I could think was like, we know a guy like that. Yeah, we do, but he's taken. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just just saying, we got to walk. Only one land. Here. And. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, yeah. did we know that um, not a sharer? Yeah, they were. We d- we knew that, of course, that Tenobia's uncle was Davram Bashir. But did we know that if Tenobia died without any heirs, Davram would succeed her, or else? And they say Davram's heir, so it would be Fael, right? That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, the subtext here is that Perrin is married to is likely right. married to the future queen of Saldea. Right. Yeah. He's he's going to be. They are going to be the king and queen of Manetherin and Saldea. It's got to happen, right? Because this this Tenobia does not seem like longevity is going to be one of her strengths. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they, as 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 far as I can tell, their plan is to go deal with the dragon, right? And well, I they mean, they don't actually say, right? Yeah, they, they say they're we've decided to do this thing, and you know, we'll either be dead or we'll be in the history books. So they may be joining him, right? Unclear, yeah, unclear. Um, also, and they're hiding from the Aes Sedai, though. You know, they, you would if they were going to fight him, they would totally want the Aes Sedai on their side, right? Well, they're they're supposed to be hiding from the Aes Sedai, but they're not doing a very good job of it because these random Aes Sedai happen to have tagged along, and somehow that number totals thirteen Aes Sedai. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a coincidence to me. Not great. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think that the, I think that Fael did mention that her father was in line was in this line of succession, but it was in kind of like a way like, yeah, but that doesn't matter because Tenobia is young and she's about to get married. And, you know, we don't, we don't consider ourselves heirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's also he's just the uncle. It's also fun that they, they're all meeting at this spire. That's like a remnant of, of, of bygone age. And there's all these weird rumors about it. Like, Oh, if you touch it, you die. And, you know, it's like stuff like that, but it's just, Robert Jordan fallen world stuff that I, I like is all these things. They don't know what they are, you know, it was really cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is a good place to meet. No one will ever spy us here because no one in the right mind comes within 10 miles of this place. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love all the leftover stuff from the age of legends. Yeah. So uh, after checking in with them, we uh, get a, a bit of a passage from Viren's perspective. Yeah. That was unusual. Yeah. yeah, I always wonder how she's doing. I like Viren, you know. I mean, yeah, I like she's super cagey, even in her own mind. <laughs> exactly, she's like clearly scheming. But you know, that's what you know about Viren is like she's reliable. She's always going to be 
doing something weird. And it is unclear exactly what she's up to, but it's certainly shady. Yeah. She's been interrogating Aes Sedai prisoners, right? Yeah, she's been interrogating the Aes Sedai prisoners, so the, the White Tower ones. And not just interrogating them, right? She's been doing some kind of mind magic on them. Yeah, yeah this is like some evil wizard shit here, right? Like, come on, Viren. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's... I mean, does this count as using the power as a weapon? Uh, I mean, is this against the three oaths? I don't know, <laughs> right? Like, it does... She she toes the line, but we know that being an ice die essentially means towing the line about a lot of things that you're not supposed to do, right? So it's hard right, to say. Yeah, she does a lot of like like even in as you mentioned, even in her mind things are a little weird, and she has a couple of points where she says she says some things, and then her head she's like qualifying them so they're not lies, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. do this thing to you, and it's not gonna harm you in the next five to 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I would use this on a baby. Well, it depends on how I was using it on the baby. (laughs) Like a really bad baby that I wanted to kill. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one thing I noticed is that from the outside, Varen is always, she always seems lost in thought and not entirely present, but she never really gets lost in thought in this entire segment. She's always kind of on the ball, moving, considering, observing. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe she's just always faking it all the time. Well, no, no, I think you're I think you're totally onto something, Jeff, because every time she's interacting with somebody who she needs to do something, she mentions how she is choosing to interact with them if that makes sense. Like she's like, yeah, "Oh, this right. person is uh one of the uh, the old the sorry, old ones. They probably hate that. One of the wise ones <laughs> and so I'm going to be uh obsequious. I'm going to be like uh, you know, soft-spoken and and uh yeah so so yeah i think you're right i think all of that is an act it it's really interesting seeing the inside of viren's head because she is in in many ways one of the most mysterious characters for me because it's she she has it's clear that she has her own plans and as far as i can tell she's beholden to no one right like it is really yeah. unclear if she has any loyalties at all. If she is Black Aja, she's not in the same line or chain of command as Galena and all them and Alviarin. Yeah, that's right. Because she doesn't seem to know or care what they're doing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, she doesn't even know, or at least not, she doesn't think about it, that some of these people are Black Aja. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Viren is, I'm glad we got to see something from her perspective because it's very, I think it's very illuminating. Yeah. And then we check in on Moradin, who is sitting around playing a chess knockoff and just being crazy by himself. I think it tells us everything we need to know about him, that he named himself Death. <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> Guys, he's pre- my name's Death now. Come on. Yeah, he's precious. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, he's just sitting there playing chess alone. You know, maybe if he weren't such an asshole, he'd have someone to play chess with. I'm just saying. Yeah, but he's, this version of chess that he's playing... Uh, has a piece called The Fisher, which I think is a reference to The Fisher King, uh, which is a reference to, you know, the, the Arthurian legend, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's Rand, right? I think the, I think Rand has a lot of connections to The Fisher King, uh, like the, the wounded king, right? The, the holder of the grail. I think that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. The, the king who's like, because The Fisher King is sort of, he's wounded, like in his quote unquote groin in such a way that like, all he can do is sit and fish, and like as he ails, so does his land ail. Right, the land can't be healthy until he's made healthy. Interesting. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a little interesting because 
Rand is often, I think he's usually connected with Arthur from the, the Arthurian legends, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's Rand Arthur, right? Yeah. And, but this, this is a different person from a different like version of the legend. There's the Fisher King. Yeah. So it's, it's a neat mix. Yeah. Agreed. Chapter one, to keep the bargain. Icon of the sea folk. Uh, we get the famous intro once again. Uh, this time the wind blows from Tremalking, where there's a bunch of people who don't believe in the outside world, <laughs> uh, over the oceans to Ibudar, uh, where it blows around Avienda. So uh, just uh, you mentioned Tremalking, and uh, I had forgotten why I knew that name until they described that the thing that they're, that's out there, which is the other piece of the other half of that giant song rail, right? Well, it's it's a different version of it. I think there, I think it is, or maybe you're right. Maybe this is the woman one because this is Tremalking, and it has a similar name to that city in Kyrian, which I think was Tremwasian or something. I was trying to remember. It's not on the map, and I was actually oh, looking not. for it for that reason. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's, that's where the uh, the giant man hand, man with the crystal is. So this must be the giant woman with the crystal. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that was so cool. I loved I loved this beginning. I love it when yeah. they talk about the oceans and the sea folk and because we'd never really heard anything about the people of Tremalking before, had we? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're ever going to hear about them again. It's just, yeah. hey, check out these people. They're really cool. Not well, we relevant. get these little intriguing snippets about who they are, which was great. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you look at the map, Tremalking is, is, is way out there, right? Like if, if we consider that, you know, nobody ever really leaves the mainland except for the sea folk, then yeah, probably no one we have talked to has ever been to Tremalking. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. They follow like the a, piece of the waterway. Yeah, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. It's like New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is Avienda, um, and she and Elaine and Nynaeve are heading to meet up with all the other various channelers that I won't bother to list. <laughs> 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 and uh, Avienda is super worried about Olver, who Matt just, like, I guess five minutes ago in her timeline just ran off to find him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Olver is super dead. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 something that we all saw coming. He was just too damn cute, right? Like <laughs> right. the cute little kid that's following Matt around. Come on, I definitely lie. buy into your belief though that this is um, Guidal Kane because they make a they make a point of once again saying that he's small, dark, and ugly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they mentioned that Brigitte likes ugly children. I think Avienda observes that. She doesn't say why, <laughs> but she's like, Brigitte really likes kids, especially the ugly ones, or something like that. <laughs> I was like, damn, I was like, damn, that's cold. I know, right? Uh, uh, it sounds like the that marriage has actually taken the edge off of Nynaeve a little bit. She's a, a little bit uh, wiener whipped, if you know what I mean. Let's see. <laughs> uh, but, but what a wiener to be whipped with. Right? I know, right? <laughs> Lan, you can whip me with your wiener anytime. <laughs> Gross. Uh, uh, yes. Speaking of, this is they're all. This is something of a rewind. This is right before I guess the Shanshan are going to attack the city. Uh, and they're heading to the meetup, and there's Lan, and uh, there's another choice Lan quote, was as Avienda is sort of recapping us with uh, her friends. His face seemed hacked from stone, and his gaze weighed the threat in every servant who passed, examining every crossing corridor and wall niche for hidden attackers. Readiness radiated from him, a lion on the brink of his charge. Avienda had grown up around dangerous men, but never one to match on a lane. Had death been a man, she would have been him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, how much, how does that translate like to Avienda actually in time? Did she just spend 20 seconds thinking about different ways of how Lan is a badass? <laughs> I don't know. People look at Lan and they just think in metaphors. 
<laughs> like like Land's sitting there and like she's like staring at him. He looks at her and she's like, "Why is she staring at me like that?" And she's making this little <laughs> monologue in her head. <laughs> I mean, Land has his like the Aiel have their own special name for Land, right? It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, right. Everybody has their own special name for Land. That's right. So Aviana is worried that she's gone soft because she cares about like dresses and stuff. Okay, uh, but she also thinks about killing everybody she meets, right? Yeah. Like 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 a servant stops them in the hallway to give them a message and she's like, this person is delaying us. Elaine would be upset if I killed this person right now. <laughs> so I won't. Is that Teslin? Uh, I couldn't figure oh, out yeah, who Teslin was. was. No, Teslin is, a, is one of the tower Aes Sedai. Okay. Remember there were these other Aes Sedai that were from the tower? Yeah. But, but, those, but those people don't like Elida because Elida is such a suck ass. That's right. They got and, they got sent there as like a punishment, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, and so they're like supposed to be reporting on you know Elaine and Nynaeve doing all this stuff, but they're like not doing it because like screw Elida, right? And this is what Teslin says. She's like, I still don't like you, but I just want you to know I'm not going to report on you. And Nynaeve is like, Well, fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and then uh, Elaine calls her a summer ham for some reason. Pull your nose out of our coats, you summer ham. And nobody has any idea what that means except for Lan. And even he is taken aback that she's saying something so so disgusting. Right. Not since my days in the borderlands have I heard someone say something so horrible. Summer ham. What does that mean? What does that mean? It's when you fart and you hold them under somebody under the covers, right? Is that that it? That's a summer ham. That's right. Well well, in in this world that's a Dutch oven, but there's no Dutch in this, you know, in this age. So it's a summer summer ham. ham, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they meet up with the Seafolk Windfinders and the the Aes Sedai from Saladar and the Kin and one Black Aja because they caught one, uh, and they're keeping her super drugged up. Yeah, and they, they travel away um, using a gateway that Avienda can make. Yeah, because I, I I had forgotten this, but their plan is to essentially go to the uh, the quote unquote farm or whatever. It's the the circle's offsite, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that's just some other place that's yeah. not far away. And uh, as they're leaving, as they're filing through, Avienda spies a sinister observer on the tower watching them. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't feel good about that. She tries to get everybody to speed up a little. She's freaking out. Yeah, yeah. And her instincts for these things are probably spot on. And I like, too, how she says, how she says like, it, it's not shameful to have fear. Like, smart people are fearful about things that deserve fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, she sees someone watching and she doesn't know who they are. And, I, and, like, at the time I was thinking, at this point, there are, like, literally dozens of people who want to kill them. So I, I, it could be really anybody who's up there watching them. It could be, like, a Forsaken. I mean, she, she assumes it's a guy, but, it, I mean, like, it's odds are 50-50, right? Right. And remember, they can change their faces, too, some of them. So, like, it's probably Grendel. Yeah. Honestly, like, if you see anyone in these books, it's probably someone who's trying to kill NDA at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah. So chapter two, Unweaving, icon of the four snaken. Uh, Elaine, on the other side of the gateway, oversees the arrival uh, of all the various channelers in a train because Aviana can't make a very big uh, gateway. Yeah. And uh, she takes the time to measure her dick versus the dicks of all the channelers that walk by (laughs) just to make sure she's stronger than them. I know. And she's a little disappointed, right? There are some uh, there's some young sea folk who are actually as strong as our NDA folks. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised at how quickly Elaine has bought into this stupid white tower thing of the strongest Aes Sedai having more rank. Because yeah. she's like, she's like the sea folk. They don't seem to care how strong you are. 
you know, even the really high ranking ones sometimes have really low power. And that should make it easy for us to deal with them. Like, really? It yeah. seems uncharacteristic for her because her mom was a very strong ruler and she was very weak in the power. Yeah. And then Elaine is shocked to learn that one of the young Seafolk apprentices is just really strong, almost as strong as Nynaeve. Yeah, yeah. I guess she's just bought into all the Aes Sedai bullshit. It's interesting because these are all people of around a certain age. And I'm wondering if this is like a generational thing. Like, you know, the, you talk about there not having been powerful Aes Sedai born in hundreds of years, right? And then at this particular point, all of these super strong uh, channelers are born. Probably yeah. Rand's influence, I guess, right? The patterns was, spitting them out, just like they do with false dragons. It might be, yeah. It's probably both. But I was thinking it was because the sea folk ha- are like Manetherin. They've got a undiluted bloodline that goes back to the Age of Legends. Oh, oh that's, that's a, a point. point. For the most part, right? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's that's a great point. So that, but also like the pattern has caused the sea folk to like these powerful channels to come on land and get involved in the game. So. This is kind of like how the pattern was keeping these people in storage, right? By like making the Manetherin people lose a battle and become a bunch of like backwater tobacco farming hick cannibals. And stealing the <laughs> the Aiel in a in a murder training ground for killer warriors. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. And now they're all coming out. Yeah. Uh, Elaine takes some time uh, while everybody's coming out to go through some Terra Angreal and ID some and finds herself in Angreal, which is nice. There's mm-hmm. also a lot of garbage in here. On this Wheel of Time edition of the hit reality show Hoarders, we've got <laughs> <laughs> what the circle is keeping. That's right. The circle were hoarders. She, <laughs> She's she like, was looking for things that spark joy. <laughs> that's right. This does not. This table leg does not spark joy. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Talk to the circle. Okay, have you used this bent, dented breastplate in over a year? <laughs> if not, get rid of it. That's right. There's a lot of garbage. And she says there's only three table legs, which really made me want to know what happened to the fourth. There's three and none of them match. They're all different from different <laughs> tables. She says they, they're all from different tables. God, it's like my grandmother's I mean, house. Yeah, some, somebody at some point decided that that table leg, not the table, that table leg had some magic in it. Yeah. That's right, because this is this this is not a, a haphazard storeroom. This is stuff that the circle has been like, this could be important later. We'll just put it in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I wish one of the table legs turned out to be a terra angreal. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, can can it's like that you can attach this table leg to any table, and the table will always be steady no matter what. You never have to wedge anything. <laughs> I mean, that'd be really useful. Perfectly level forever. <laughs> anyway, they the Adelius, I think it is, comes up to her and is like, maybe you shouldn't just be experimenting with those right now because you know all the other people that experiment with those things blow up. <laughs> And, and she's like, shut up. You're not my yeah, mom. She, fuck you. <laughs> I'm the only one who's made Terangriel. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. And I, I really thought Adelius was making a good point. Yeah, it, this was definitely not the time also. She, I mean, like, they're, they're supposed to be moving, right? And Elaine's just, like, taking this time to go through her shit. and Just, like, dumping <laughs> a bunch of crap on the ground. It's like, well, we're here. Yeah, why not do that before you had the donkeys carry those through the gateway? And also, she uh, was. It, you said it was Adelius, or that, or Van Dien. I get them mixed up. Yeah, one of, one of the other red shirt uh, Aes Sedai is like you know there was this other Aes Sedai who was really good with Terangrel and really studied and like really careful, and then she uh, burned herself out and went crazy or something like that. And they're like, mm-hmm. she had notes in the room on everything in that on every Terangrel in that room, and we still don't know why that happened. Mm-hmm. And one of them uh, is pretty intriguing. It's a black rod. 
it's really it's small but it's stiff yet flexible and um Nynaeve says that it like was it feels like pain whatever that means so i'm curious i'm sure that'll come back up i think it's yeah, probably a torture device of some kind i would bet mm, yeah i think they've talked about like shock rods or something like that i think there was some reference to something from the age of legends maybe yeah it could be i don't know I'm just wondering if Robert Jordan is putting little like Easter eggs in there and later we're going to find out that one of the things he mentions in passing was actually very useful. Probably. While they're hanging out or after they're done through going through, Avienda does something interesting, right? Yeah. She unweaves the weave for the gateway, which apparently is a big no-no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the other eyes that I say that essentially if you do this wrong, then because it, it, it kind of makes sense, right? If you think of a weave as you know, a bunch of these different threads of magic going together and the way that you weave them, it all does different things. And you start picking random threads out of it. Yeah. Then it could snap into something that you don't expect. And I think of it as like being under tension, like like a power line or something or the rigging of a ship where you know, it looks like just a rope, but it's under a crap load of tension. And if you sever it, then all that uh, energy, potential energy gets like goes somewhere, right? And you don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, they say that it, it, it could potentially destroy everything within like a 500 pace radius or something like that. So it's very risky, but Avienda does it like it's something she's familiar with. And she says that the wise ones do this all the time or or know how to do this. They practice doing this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting. Uh, could, yeah. Also, did we know that the warder's cloaks were made using a terrain no, I don't think we knew that, but yeah. it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, they're magic cloth. Not that they're not like sewn, but the cloth is made using the terrain grail. Yeah, and so that would explain why the Aes Sedai only make the cloaks with that. They don't do like other stuff in that same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's just like a cloak machine. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we haven't been able to make it do anything else but that. Just fucking cloaks. <laughs> right. And they just, what you do is you take one of the apprentices, the novices that's not coming along so well, and you put her into the cloak machine, and out comes a cloak. <laughs> We don't know what happens to the novice, but out comes the cloak, and that's the important thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Avienda freaks everybody out, and then, and then uh, they're they're done there, and they're moving on. And I wanted to point out that, of course, Elaine named her horse Lioness. (laughs) I know, right? Of course, she did. I mean, (laughs) the Lion of Andor. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no I mean, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get it, Lane. Yes, you're the lioness. That's fine. I think Avienda uh, is pregnant. Oh, really? Why? I do, because they say something about how she's feeling nauseous and like they're offering her some healing medications that help with like many different women's symptoms. Oh, oh. so I Wait, think. How's, how long has it been since they, they had igloo sex? Not that long, right? I, I mean, no things idea. like. It takes a lot of books, but things happen pretty fast. Yeah, and there's no seasons anymore. (laughs) Yeah, so we don't know. And it seems like she definitely has plans to marry Rand, too, with Elaine. It seems Uh, like she's kind of set on that. Don't they all? Mm. Yeah, join the club. Literally, there's there's a club now. (laughs) (laughs) So then we cut to Moradin, our second check-in with Moradin in two chapters. I feel like this guy's everywhere all the time. Yeah, like he was... He was just crazing out about chess like five minutes ago, and now he's on that tower watching them leave. That's right. Uh, he is equally freaked out at the unweaving that Avienda has done. Yeah, I thought this was really interesting because he talks about the fact that like modern channelers have invented new skills that never existed in the Age of Legends. Which was interesting because we'd always been yeah. told that they were so much weaker now. Right, yeah, but I, 
maybe it's a thing like since they don't have power, they've had to invent new techniques to accomplish some of the same things. Maybe. Yeah, he lists a few things. He talks about like, um, I'm trying to remember, he talks about the water bonding that they do, which is something that uh, had never been done in the Age of Legends. Healing a, someone who's been uh, stilled or severed or whatever, which is something mm-hmm. that Nynaeve, well, I mean, even even in this age, age, it was something that they thought was impossible, but Nynaeve has just done it. It's kind of interesting because to me, this lends, this this reveals the fallibility of the Forsaken because there are things that even they don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is upset to learn that they've gotten the bowl uh, because that means they can mess with the weather and his boss wants to mess with the weather and this is going to piss off his boss. It's also interesting uh, that he doesn't exactly know what the bowl is. He's like, there are lots of weather things that we had back in the day, but I don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just probably one of those stupid things. Yeah. Because that's like a government terror all boring. <laughs> that's right, exactly. It, 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 I had to think about it. I was like, so what if this isn't actually a bowl? What if it was like the dome, the top of some dome thing? And they're just like, oh, it's a bowl. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, as he's so pissed off that they've got a weather trinket that he accidentally squishes a dark friend that happens to be standing near him. Once again, yeah. why would you be a dark friend? Yeah, yeah we got, I'm going to start annotating these. Like this this is being a dark friend sucks uh, annotation 8-1. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> First, first one because because we've had at least like you know what six or seven of these at this point. Like this character was actually doing pretty well, like as a high placed servant in this uh, uh, noble palace, and he got him useful information. And nope, just <laughs> squashed like a bug. <laughs> <an> accident. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Uh, so Moradin's pissed, but uh, that's it. The end of Moradin, and he's still crazy. Yeah. Uh, then we get uh, a little bit of check in with the Golam. <laughs> this dude is creepy as fuck. Yeah, uh, he's still on NDA's trail, and he was hanging out and just watching Moradin because he's just creepy. Yeah, uh, and he eats the dark friend, I guess, the drinks the blood that squished out of the dark friend. And apparently, that's like, what Golams eat. Yeah, it's like I don't want to let that blood go to waste. <laughs> Do we even know who's commanding this thing? Like, I thought it was Samael, but I I'm think, not certain. I think it about is Samael, but Samael like just died like an hour ago or something. Yeah, so he's gone rogue now. He doesn't have anybody I, commanding him, which is super creepy. Well, I, well, I think he's just been given an order and Golams have to follow their orders. And he doesn't know that Samael's dead. And I don't know if it would matter if he did know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I, do you, I, I wonder if I wonder how one goes about commanding a Golam. Is there like a, a remote control? Is it like some magic words? Can I, a I Golam hunt just, a forsaken? You have to rub his belly. <laughs> if you give him commands while you're rubbing his belly, he has to do it. <laughs> but, but the trick is you have to get close enough to rub his belly in the first place. And they're really right. prickly. It's very... <laughs> Very difficult. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and the golem thinks that the it, like the this golem is what three thousand years old or something, but something it's been like in a stasis yeah. box or whatever. Yeah. He thinks he's never run into anything that could hurt it ever until Matt with this foxhead medallion, mm-hmm. which is interesting because like the golem is a remnant of the of the war of power in the Age of Legends, right? Yeah, right. So is this thing that Matt's got? Is this something they didn't know about in the Age of Legends? I mean, he got I it from another not. dimension, right? It's older right? then, right? Yeah, it's it's from the like the fox people and the elf people, or sorry, the snake people. They're like they're from older than the Age of Legends. They're older than time, right? Mm-hmm. Or outside of they're time, or something outside, yeah, or something like that. So that's interesting. It is very interesting. And uh, he, yeah, the golem says, "Well, I don't want to go mess with that guy who hurt me for the first time ever, so I'm just going to keep chasing these people." <laughs> that seems like an easier thing to go. And he's yeah, right, he, you know. So he, he decides to go after NDA because he can smell where they came out of the gateway. That's concerning. 
Yeah. Because Matt is dead, you know, basically. Totally dead. Yeah. Yeah, that wall fell on him. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters three through six of Path of Daggers. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter and Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. And I'm Mike Sparkman, and I don't have one of those. <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcasting club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.